RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Watson. Got a busy show here today. Here's a rundown. We're going to get into a... Uh, a little bit of discussion recapping this past weekend's uh, events. We had Bellator 249 and also the UFC Fight Island show with uh, Korean Zombie and Brian Ortega. We'll recap those. Then we will jump into some conversation with a couple of the participants in the a couple title fights that are coming up in a few weeks at Valor 75. We're going to talk to Andrew Sturdivant getting ready to defend his 145 title against Garrett Sharp. And then we'll talk to Russian DNA, Alex Pergande, who will be going for the 155 title on that same show. And then we'll wrap things up with a look ahead this week at UFC 254. Justin, it's a busy week. How you doing, my man? Yeah, man. Uh, not too bad. I'm looking forward to, to the card this weekend. It's one of the bigger ones we've had for a little while. I feel like we've said that a lot lately, but having cards every weekend it feels like every fourth or fifth one is just a a real big one and this is this is the biggest one yeah and it's kind of just been earmarked on everybody's schedules you know like looking ahead this is kind of the one everybody's really been you know jonesing for so i'm excited to get into it for sure weird start time we'll get into that a little bit later but uh let's get into our uh to our recap segment here first off we had bellator 249 it went down thursday evening um, and that was on the CBS Sports Network. Of course, um, on that show, we had a uh, Valor alum, Logan Neal, on that card. We'll get into his action in just a moment. But uh, the main event on that one, of course, was the 145 title up for grabs. Uh, Chris Cyborg defending against a heavy underdog, Arlene Blinko. Uh, Cyborg ended up getting up to about 12 to 1 whenever it was all said and done. And uh, she looked every bit of it, man. Um, she, she, um, you know, dominated this one, got a rear naked choke in the second round, uh, retains that featherweight strap. Doesn't look like there's a whole lot of uh, viable competition out there for her. No, I mean, Blinko was, you know, I don't, obviously the books, the, the line showed that she wasn't um, supposed to be able to hang, but, um, you know, she was a decorated boxing um, chick and, and Cyborg just beat her up on the feet and ended up getting her to the ground and then choking her out. I think the odds for, Cyborg winning by submission were were pretty decent. If you would have jumped on that, just because yeah, it's she a, never had a rarity. Yeah, yeah, that was the first one. <laughs> um, so that was kind of interesting. But um, yeah, Blemco just offered nothing. I mean, Cyborg just ran right through her. I don't know. I definitely don't know anybody in in Bellator that's going to be able to do anything with Cyborg until she she's going to end up retiring. You know, for lack of competition, I feel like. I had the over one and a half rounds, which I cashed by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Mm. Yeah, right. Uh, co-main event. Uh, it was a, I guess, uh, replacement co-main event at the last minute. We were supposed to have um, <clears throat> Patricky Pitbull against uh, against Jaleel Willis, and Jaleel Willis missed weight by like three pounds or so. But it was Pitbull that was not medically cleared. Just man, it was 
maybe a half hour or 45 minutes before the main card was supposed to start that they found that out. So uh, it ended up being Leandro, uh, Leandro Ego uh, getting the second round uh, rear naked choke win as a slide underdog to Ricky Bandejas. Uh, your thoughts there? This is a much wider fight than I pictured. I, I honestly thought that Bendejas is going to bounce back here and uh, be able to put on a pretty good show and and keep Leandro Higo, you know, at bay with the with the striking. And he wasn't able to do that. Higo, you know, pretty much just ran through him, uh, dominated the first round, and got to finish in the second. And then, of course, we had a no contest due to a groin strike as a Saad Awad and Mandel Nalo. Uh, we didn't get a winner there. Just a couple of about almost two minutes into the first round. We had the groin strike from Nalo to Awad, and uh, he was unable to continue. You think we'll uh, get a pretty quick uh, rebooking of that one? Um, I don't know. I, I think uh, Mandel will probably get turned around pretty quick. I don't know if uh, Saad Awad wanted to fight him. Uh, I think that it may have just been a way out. That's you know, It seemed like, I don't know, it was kind of just a weird thing, but um, – I think Mandel will get turned around pretty quick. And then leading off the main card, it was Steve Mowry who got promoted from the undercard up to the main card when they lost the co-main event. And he takes out Sean Teed with a first-round TKO. He was kind of getting touched up a little bit there, uh, you know, through the early minutes of the fight. The live line got up, uh, got much closer than what the opening odds were. But he ended up catching Teed and uh, getting the TKO um, about four and a half minutes into the first round. Mowry stays undefeated at 8-0. He's a big dude, man. That guy's like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, yeah, he was massive. And um, it's kind of like, you know, Stefan Struz fighting this weekend. It was similar to what you can see with him. You know, he's, he can get his knee to your chin, you know, where most guys wouldn't be able to, I guess. And uh, he threw several of those knees just straight up the middle um, and, and caught teed with one of them. Um, but he, I thought he looked good. I mean, you know, he had a little adversity, but – uh, showed some durability and and ultimately I think he's I think all of his finishes are in the first round, aren't they? Uh maybe, man. I'd have to double check that, but I, that sounds right. I know he's got a freaking lot of I, I know he's had a lot of first round finishes. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I might be wrong, but I, I feel like he was that was continued his first round finishing streak. Um, but anyway, I think he looked good and um, is a you know somebody to to look forward to in the division. Then, of course, the undercard uh, was on YouTube. I guess you'd go back and check that out if you like. Uh, it was uh, – we'll run through them pretty quickly, then we'll just focus on the, the one that we were you know, really looking forward to. Uh, it was uh, Andrew uh, Capel with a uh, second-round TKO technically, I guess. It was in between the second and third rounds that that fight ended against Joseph Creer as Creer was, uh, uh, had a really deep cut that the doctor waved off. Waved off. A little bit of an upset is uh, well, a pretty good upset, actually. Kimron Lachinoff with a unanimous decision win over Kyle Crutchmer. He was, man, I, I want to say Crutchmer is nearly minus 350 in that fight. Uh, Christian Edwards with a second-round submission over Hamza Salim. Damon Blackshear submits Mike Kimball in the second round with a rear naked choke. Uh, and then we had, uh, of course, Aviv Ghazali with a submission over Logan Neal, who we spoke with last week. Three minutes, 22 seconds on the Camara there. Thought Logan had a pretty decent showing for himself. Did uh, well in the stand-up. Um, you know, showed a decent bit of uh, cage IQ by not following uh, Ghazali down to the ground when he had him down early. Uh, but uh, unable to avoid the takedown ultimately. And uh, survived for a little bit, but uh, got, got the Camara about three and a half minutes in. Uh, Ghazali moves on to 5-0. and And then leading off the undercard, Albert Gonzalez <clears throat> with a really weird win. 
actually cashed on this. I had Gonzalez plus 125 and thought I was beat for sure. But uh, he doesn't tap. Um, he doesn't tap to uh, an, an arm bar submission uh, from Castro Jima in the uh, in the second round and probably dislocated his his elbow or he, something was bad. It definitely you could see like a pop. But he never tapped in between rounds. Um, Castro Jima completely exhausted himself going for that submission, and he retires in between rounds. And uh, and, and Gonzalez ends up getting the win. Uh, really, really funky opening to the undercard. Dude, that was the craziest thing ever. I mean, like the commentators, I don't think really even knew whether they called the fight off to for the submission. I mean, it obviously snapped his elbow like at least once or twice. Um, but like you said, he didn't tap and then the round ended right there. And it was like, couldn't really tell whether the referee was ending the round or ending the fight. And then, uh, for that other guy not to be able to, to get off his stool. After, I mean, all he would have had to literally do is just get up. Like homeboy's arm was fucked. Yeah. Like that. I don't think he was going to be able to do anything if they started on the, you know, they're going to start on the feet. He's definitely compromised. Uh, but I guess he just had enough and said, I'm, I'm done. I don't know. That was a weird one. Um, and the only one, the only other one I really paid much attention to on the undercar was uh, Logan Neal. I'm sure other people probably threw it out there too, but I told him the night before, just take off flying knee right off the bat because this guy's probably going to shoot. And he did it, knocked him down. And like you said, he was smart by by not jumping into his guard like that. Uh, I thought he looked good on the feet. Um, you know, he, he, Aviv hit a, a nice time uh, double leg and uh, got it to the ground and then once he's down there, man, the, the kid's control was just insane. And the way he transitions and, and flows uh, just from position to position, submission to submission, he threatened multiple things, you know, and then ended up in that nasty uh, Kimura. And um, it was it was a tough look, but um, Logan Neal showed up and, and, you know, he was there to, to give him a fight. And that's what he did. And then, of course, we had the UFC uh, Fight Island card after that. That went down Saturday night. That was an uh, ESPN Plus card, I guess. And headlined, of course, by the, uh, to me, one of the one of the top fights on uh, Fight Island here on this segment. Uh, Brian T-City Ortega gets the win. Very dominant uh, five-round submission win, or five-round decision win, I should say, over the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Young, and he uh, he got all the rounds, man, five to nothing. Uh, it was like a completely different T-City, man. He looked uh, he looked awesome out there. And, um, you know, I, I picked uh, Korean Zombie on here last week, but happy to be on the wrong end of it for sure uh, as, uh, you know, I'm a T-City fan. And, uh, man, he's uh, automatically uh, catapulted up into the uh, the realms of the title uh, fights, man. Looks like he's going to get Alex uh, Volkanovsky. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm with you. I, I took Chan Sung Jung everywhere over the weekend. I think the, the coolest part of this fight for me was that – they had it on the names next to them. They said Ortega and Zombie. Like, yeah, I don't know why Jung is shorter than Zombie, but uh, putting putting Zombie. He's known as. Yeah, I know, but like you could, you would think like with Bukowskis or somebody like with a right. weird last name, but um, that was pretty cool seeing Zombie on there. But, but um, he just didn't have anything to offer. He just he seemed to hesitate any time that he did have any openings or got in range to strike with Ortega, and Ortega picked his shots perfectly uh he ate a few but much less than what he's you know apt to take in 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 the other fights that we've seen previous um you know he was threatened with a takedown you know hitting him with knee taps and um getting him to think about that and then just piecing him up on the feet and uh that's definitely not where 
you would have thought that Ortega was going to win that right. fight, but he dominated it there. I mean, it wasn't even close. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, there's no doubt, you know, he, coming off of his first loss uh, to Max, and this is his first fight back nearly two years later. So, I mean, a lot of people don't really uh, maybe not think that Ortega necessarily deserves it. I think people were kind of thinking that Zombie was going to win and that he deserved it more, but I don't think you can deny Ortega, especially after taking out Zombie there. Like, the, your only other option is is the winner of Zabit and Yair, but Zabit's ranked in between Ortega and, and Jung, I think, and then uh, Yair's like eight or nine. So, you know, this was like number th- number two and number four or something like that. So, um, in the rank, as far as the rankings go, uh, this was this is your closest fight to a number one contender fight, and I, I think Brian Ortega show that he he deserves the next shot and a little bit i wouldn't say a big surprise because she was the betting favorite but i know a lot of uh a lot of pickers were taking uh caitlin chukagan in this next fight co-main event it was jessica andrage though uh who got the first round tko body shot nasty one and this was after she you know landed a real a real nice slam earlier in the early in the fight just really taking it to uh, caitlin chukagan jessica andrage first round tko with five seconds to go and uh, man, that's another situation where she's kind of uh, leapfrogged the the pack. We went from saying, you know, Chukagan's too big, too long, you use your range, you're not gonna be in uh, be able to close the gap on her and get those takedowns. But nah, man, she was just uh, way quicker uh, and just uh, you know really showed that uh, she's a contender there. The 125 division is probably a. You know, I would assume most people are going to, uh, you know, go with Shevchenko over Jennifer Maya and her title defense coming up. But uh, Andrade definitely provides a little bit of spark there at Flyweight. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think that uh, Chukagian, I think, was doing decent uh, until the until the finish. Um, you know, I, I thought that she was doing following the game plan well. She had Andrade backed up against the cage and then just got blasted in the liver um, and then. It got followed up by another shot to the liver, and she went down. I definitely didn't see it going that way. Um, Andrade is just a powerhouse, you know, and now she's the first woman with, with wins in three different weight classes. So she started out at 35, then went to 15, and now she's at 25. So I think this is probably the perfect spot for um, taking out Chukagian. As, you know, I, I think you said Chukagian was number one um, in the rankings, but she was, you know, she just lost the fight before last to the champ. So, um, you also have, uh, uh, what's her name? Little Hispanic girl that came out of, she was, I think she's at AKA now, but she was at, um, Cindy, Cindy something. I can't oh, remember. I know, man. Cynthia Calvia. Oh, Calvia. Yeah. She was supposed yeah. to fight this weekend. She's yeah. got, uh, she was supposed to fight Lauren Murphy this weekend and, uh, she ended up having to pull out. Yeah, she's coming off of a big win, too, though, so I think that that would be a good matchup. Now, you know, Laura Murphy got rematched, so put Andrade with her um, in the future and, and get your number one contender from there. Uh, but I thought she looked good, man. She 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 went in there and, and picked up the win in the first, uh, like I said, the first female to, to have wins in three weight classes. Jimmy, the brute crew with a first-round knockout two minutes in over Modestus Bukowskis. Bukowskis, I should say. Bukowskis. Uh, Jimmy Crew, man, uh, he was, uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he, he looks good most of the time. And it seems like every time he's got a fight coming up, I kind of overlook him and forget, like, how good and exciting he is. But this was a real nice knockout win uh, for Crew as he continues to, to slowly rise up the light heavyweight division. Yeah, man, it's a fucking wrecking ball. Uh, he blasted Bukowskis and and 
you knew as soon as that shot landed that this was the end. And then he just like goes down, goes and sits next to him, and like you know puts his arm around him. So um, I think he's a he's a good guy. He's a fun guy to watch, and uh, the future looks good for him. Bukowskis is you know was a was a decent prospect, and um, Jimmy Crew just made him look like easy work. So uh, I think you'll see a, a decent decent fight, maybe somewhere in the top fifteen um, for him next. James Krause, unanimous decision win, uh, fairly wide, all three rounds, all three judges over the 14-1 Claudio Silva, who uh, had some of the more, uh, hmm, I guess, just like telegraphed and desperate and sloppy-looking takedowns uh, that you'll see. And he kind of knew that coming in. You know, he, he's he's definitely got one uh, one direction that he wants the fight to, to, to go to, and that's to the ground. And Krause is just uh, too wise to it, man, too smart, uh, too, much, too good of a game plan. Takes a uh, unanimous decision win and lands the Brazilian uh, first loss in a moment. Uh, James Krause uh, gets the win. Yeah, James Krause looked great. Um, you know, keep, being able to keep the fight standing, his, his takedown defense, like you said, Claudio Silva wasn't offering anything spectacular, but um, Krause was able to stuff it and, and keep moving and uh, put on a, a pretty pretty decent little clinic there um, over a guy who hasn't lost in a, in a really long time. And, um, you know, the thing about Krause is, he, you know, this guy, he, he um, auditioned for Ultimate Fighter Live in like 2012, 2013, something like that, at, at lightweight. Um, and then just never picked up really too much steam. As he's gone up to welterweight, he's looked, I think he's looked great at welterweight. He's got a loss or two since moving up there, but... Um, he's beaten some really tough guys and the guy's got 11 UFC fighters under him that call him coach, you know, so he, his schedule really works around those athletes and he just takes fights here and there. And, uh, I think he took this fight on eight days notice or 11 days notice or something. Um, his last one, he took on like 24 hours notice. Um, and so he's just trying to get in there when he can. Um, and you know, I think we'll be hearing a lot about James Krause, uh, years to come as, as far as his coaching. I mean, he's got a, a very large stable of, of athletes and, and still competing himself, you know, two or three times a year. Opening up the main card, Jonathan Martinez, unanimous decision win, another wide win, all three rounds, all three judges over Thomas Almeida, who'd been out a couple of years and man, on the mighty have fallen. There's a guy that was uh, undefeated at, and he had some really big record. It was like 20 and 0, 22 and 0, something crazy. Um, he was challenging Cody Garbrandt, you know, at one point for the for the title in main events and whatnot. So uh, he's now lost three in a row. He's back off of a couple years layoff and just I was on Almeida here hoping that we were going to see kind of a, a resurgence. But that wasn't the case. Just not near enough volume. He just never really got going. And a nice win for Martinez. Got to give him credit. You know, he's uh, he's on a little bit of a roll now. Maybe uh, get a, a bigger fight here after knocking off a decent name. And uh, Almeida, man, it, fighting like that, I don't know that he's going to be competitive with many guys at 135. Yeah, I was on Almeida, too. Um, but I think Martinez just looked fought the perfect fight. I mean, you know, I think he pressed forward and, um, I think he surprised a lot of people in there, but, um, I think the kid's legit. I think he's a, he's a threat in the division. Um, and Almeida, man, he's going to, he's going to have to figure something out, uh, coming off of but four losses now, three or four losses now. And, um, you know, I think the kid's still a hot prospect. He's still got loads of talent, but, um, it's just putting it all together. He's going to have to work on his takedown defense a little bit. And, um, you know, circling and, and not letting that pressure get to him so much. But I think jo- Jonathan Martinez looked perfect.
Undercard, we'll run through this quickly. Uh, pretty good upset on the feature bout of the undercard. It was Guram Kutaladze with a split decision win over Matush Gamrot. Uh, Gamrot with a whole lot of hype coming into this one. 17-0, multiple division champion for KSW in Poland. Uh, really, a lot of people were real high on this guy. And uh, I think he just, I think he's really good, but I think he just ran into like the wrong dude on this day as uh, Kutaladze was. Man, it was vicious. Just like really good striking, kind of. He's a he's a Georgian, and he kind of reminds you of uh, uh, Giga uh, Giga Chikadze, just letting those kicks go real hard, body kicks, and a uh, really tough dude, man. Shredded Diesel. Um, I, I think both these guys have got pretty good futures, though. Uh, it was really solid, really solid performance, though, from uh, Kudaladze. Uh, Jillian Robertson, unanimous decision win over Pauliana Botelho, who looked pretty good in the first, and then she started to fade off second, third rounds. Uh, the, the the Iron Turtle, Jun Young Park, with a uh, less than firing unanimous decision win over John Phillips. 20, I'm sorry, 30 to 25 on all three judges' scorecards. A little disappointing he didn't get the finish because he got the takedowns real easy. And he set a record, I guess, for most strikes landed in a in a fight. And then, like, but then his DraftKings was still shit because, like, of the 200-plus strikes he landed, he only had, like, man, I, I want to say it was something absurdly low, like 10 to 10 to 15, maybe 20 tops, uh, significant strikes. So he still scored shit, uh, even uh, even even having you know 200 plus strikes landed. That's crazy. Um, I thought the 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 first one that you talked about the Kudaladze. What do you say after the fight? This is number one bullshit. Yeah, he said he thought he lost. I thought he did okay. I thought he did well, but I didn't think that he necessarily won the fight. I didn't think it was number one bullshit, but right, I, right, right. I, I thought Gamrot won the fight, but I just thought it was really cool for him to say that after the fight, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it takes a lot of, a lot, you know, to go in there and say, hey, I didn't, I don't think I won this fight, but, you know, whatever. Um, but it was a hell of a fight. That was one of those, sorry to interrupt you, that was, that was one of those rare scoring on DraftKings where the winner scored more then the uh, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. The loser scored more than the winner, even including the 30 uh, points yeah. you get for the decision. He still had more points than him. That's fucked. Yeah, yeah. And it, but it was still a close. Fight. I still think it was two to two to one. Um, but I just I just thought Gamrot had that one. But um, Julian Robertson looked good. She's man. She just gets better and better every time. Um, she's going to be a real problem moving forward. And uh, John Phillips is is probably not part of the UFC anymore. And then the first three prelims, Ferez Zayam with a uh, decision went uh, two two to one on all the judges uh, over Jamie Malarkey. I actually thought Malarkey had that one. I might have been biased because I had Malarkey, but that was another one of those stat ones where um, even with the 30 decision points that Zayam had, he barely beat malarkey by just a handful of points um and then uh maxine grishin with the second round tko very late in the second round like two seconds ago over gad uh Gadzimurad and Kudulov, who didn't come out just you know balls out like he usually does in the first round he actually kind of paced it but he, he still does no uh and then saeed nurmagomedov opens uh, up the uh action with a 51 second knockout over mark striegel uh i, I thought nurmagomedov would be dominant didn't expect him to finish him in the first round with a knockout yeah he looked great um i thought striegel was going to be able to do a little bit better like you said but um it was a quick knockout kind of a funky one-legged punch 
Um, I agree with the the Zion Malarkey fight. I, I had Zion everywhere, but I was very pleased when the judges got that one wrong. Um, I think Max Griffin or Max Grisham is uh, Maxime Grisham is uh, a legit prospect coming up. He needs to to show us a couple more things, but um, I think it's somebody you should probably look out for in the future. And that was UFC Fight Island 6, T-City versus Korean Zombie. And uh, we're going to wrap that one up and move on to our second segment. And that is going to be a chat with Andrew Sturdivant. Let's get him on the line. All right, on the line now, we have the reigning and defending Valor Featherweight Champion on the line with us. Andrew Sturdy Sturdivant. Andrew, how's it going, my man? Going pretty good, Tim. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited as we get uh, you know, into the home stretch here as we prepare for Valor 75, where you will be defending that featherweight strap in a rematch against Garrett Sharp. Uh, that's going down on Friday, November the 6th at the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. Andrew will be in the co-main event there. And uh, Andrew, man, before we get into this fight coming up, let me say congratulations on that new champ status as uh, you took home the win. Just uh, man, it's only been about a, a little over a month ago now. Uh, you, you got the win in the first round. Very dominant win over uh, Ninja Nick Wiggly there at Valor 73 down in your hometown of Chattanooga. Talk a little bit about that uh, that win before we get into this next one. Uh, yeah, you know, I've, I haven't fought since that fight. I been a year last september september 28th when y'all came to saudi as last time yeah. i fought and uh i was really itching to get back in there you know I, I trained for a good hard year and then got the call short notice or it was about what was it a month or so you said yeah Sunday backed out and i got in there and yeah i did my thing and i i look to do my thing in this next fight as well tim it's a, it's gonna be exciting you know well, of course, you know, uh, we were originally supposed to be down in Saudi Daisy again back in March. And unfortunately, uh, the COVID nonsense happened. Uh, talk a little bit about that uh, period. You know, obviously, uh, that kind of put everything on hold there for several months where a lot of guys were you know, hoping they'd be in action. Did that affect your training during that time or were you able to you know, stick with it and, and just keep honing your skills? Because you looked to me just like a brand new man out there. Like you, you couldn't tell that you've been off for a year. Yeah, well, uh, I think there was the gym we train at, Blaylocks. I think there was a period that one person got it at a 5 a.m. class, and they shut the gym down for, like, three days and sanitized the whole place and it was back up and going. So there wasn't really much downtime during COVID. We were We were strictly training. Honestly, we did a lot more sparring than we ever had this past year, especially during COVID. And, yeah. uh yeah, I came out, I think it's because of that sparring and, you know, just the the bad taste in my mouth from Pergande, you know, back in September 2019. I don't know. I was just, that's why I came out there. I feel like I'm a different fighter. I feel like I'm just going to keep growing and growing, you know. Yeah, and only 22 years old, might I add, you know, uh, you're already going in to uh into your ninth fight uh and technically you know counting your kickboxing you've had 10 fights uh but you know at, at 22 years old you, you've stayed busy as an amateur and you know uh, it's no secret i've thrown you in there with tough guys you know you're a guy that has come up uh, with with his amateur career taking on right. the best bets 
win or lose, you're a guy that's going to be very well prepared for uh, for your pro date for your pro career because you've already been in there with such killers. And to me, I think that's a nice advantage to have over guys that have kind of babied themselves throughout their amateur career. And then they don't really know what to do whenever the, the heat's turned up as a pro. Right, right, yeah. So uh, you, you've got uh, you've got Garrett Sharp coming up here, and this is going to be a rematch. You actually uh, handed Sharp his lone loss. He comes into this one at five and one, and his one was to you. Uh, and that one was back, it looks like, in uh, February of uh, 2019. So it's been about a year and a half. You got him out of there with a rear naked choke in the first round, which is, uh, you know, very impressive because Gary Sharp, solid grappler, solid team at KMAA. No one else been able to knock him off yet. Uh, you know, what do you, you expect uh, different in this fight, if anything? Do you uh, expect the same result? I, I know that um, you're well aware that both of you guys have improved a whole lot just in the last year and a half. Yeah, um, how many fights has he fought since me? Is it three? Um, well, he at that moment was two and zero, oh, so that would have made him two and one. So he's had three since. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he's five and one now. Uh huh. All right. Um, well, I mean, I think I think Garrett will come forward a lot more. You know, I feel like he'll be a lot bigger. Let's say a, a more pressure fighter this fight maybe and look for the takedowns in the when the hands start slinging, I feel like he'll go to the takedowns, but I mean, that's, that's kind of judging based off the last fight too, because he, he shot, you know, I feel like his takedowns would be more refined. You know, I feel like sure. he'll set them up more. That's, that's what I'm trying to get at. I think. Well, I think that uh, both you guys, just 22 years old, you know, have got very – both of you guys have really bright futures. I'm really excited for this fight. Talk about um, yeah, talk about who's been helping you get ready for this. You know, uh, some of the guys that have been in the uh, training camp with you, I know that your roommate's there with uh, Carter Beatman, the 170 champ for Valor. Uh, he's uh, probably a big part of helping you get ready for this thing as well as uh, several others, I'm sure. Oh, uh, yeah, me, me, Carter, uh, D'Angelo, you know um... – just several, several. CJ Baker is recently. D'Angelo and CJ Baker recently started training with us, probably in the last two two months or so. And I don't know, sparring, sparring those bigger guys. I, I really like it, and I really like. I don't know. It's good to have bigger guys hanging on you, and when you get a hundred and forty five pound man on you, it's like feathers. Doesn't you know? seem like anything, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, we're we're all getting you know good hard spar sessions in. I have a few other guys that are really good at taekwondo really good at kicks and like spins and stuff so i see all the angles coming out through my uh through my sparring partners and it's really played dividends in my my game it's awesome to hear man now you're one of these guys that's got one of these weird uh patterns going on it looks like with your record just i've got it pulled up here in front of me and i just noticed it's just like back and forth back and forth and again i haven't as we put two together there, yet Right. It, you know, you, 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 you've won one, you lost one, you won one, you lost one. It's literally alternated like that for eight freaking fights, which is wild. It's crazy. So, uh, you know, is that, is that definitely something you've got on your list here to kind of start a, a, a streak? Oh, yeah. yeah. Since, since, you know, since the first time it happened, I was like, what? Okay. You know, how's that? But I don't know, man. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my two and oh, you know, I'm gonna get my two in a row here. This Garrett Sharp, November 6th. So, 
Nice, nice, man. I'm very excited for it again, man. Uh, before I let you go, I'm going to uh, let you give some love where it's due. Any uh, friends, uh, family, training partner, sponsors, any sort of uh, shout outs you want to give, I'll let you do that. And then uh, wrap us up by letting us know where our listeners can follow you on your social media. Okay. Uh, well, first off, I'd like to thank my parents. Uh, they do they do so much for me that, uh, you know, just goes unnoticed. And then I'd like to thank Chet Blaylock and Our House Studios and for giving me a place to train, you know, a, home, a gym home and a really a place where I feel comfortable and I grow there, you know. So, I mean, I got to feel comfortable. And uh, my training partner, CJ, um, or CJ. CJ, I call I call Carter CJ too. So let me give oh. CJ, and then I'll give uh, D'Angelo and uh, John, and you know all the people that really helped me get get ready for this fight. I appreciate you guys. And um, anybody that wants to follow me, you can follow my Instagram at the handle of Sturdy S T U R D I O four, and then. Yeah, I mean, I'm basically, I like Instagram, so. <laughs> Make sure you give him a follow on Instagram, folks. Once again, this has been the Valor featherweight champion, Andrew Sturdy Sturdeman, getting ready to defend that strap in a rematch against Gary Sharp coming up here in just a few weeks. It is going down November the 6th at Valor 75 from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. You can get your tickets at fighterticks.com. Make sure you select Andrew Sturdeman's name from the drop-down list so he gets credit. And uh, if you can't be there live and in person, you can catch it on pay-per-view at the bfcmma.com website. Thanks so much for the time, Andrew. I'll let you get back to your training, and I'm looking forward to seeing you here in a couple weeks. Hey, Tim, thank you. Uh, I'm looking forward to it as well. Let's go! All right, that was uh, our first guest of the evening, Andrew Sturdivant, getting ready to defend that strap against Gary Sharp, a guy that he's got a win over. It's hard to beat the same guy twice, especially when they're coming from a, a well-coached uh, team like KMAA with a uh, solid game planners. But, man, I tell you what, Andrew Sturdivant has looked like uh, a million bucks here the last, last time we saw him against a teammate of Gary Sharp, Nick Wigley. Uh, your quick thoughts on uh, Andrew Sturdivant and this fight coming up, Justin? Oh man, I'm looking forward to this one. These these are two two forty fivers that that could compete with you know mid level pros tomorrow, um, and to see them to see them go at it one last time as amateurs, I think either one of these guys or both of them will probably go pro after this. Um, you know, two two put together dudes that that are about this life, and uh, I think it's gonna be a hell of a fight. All right, and with that, let's get to our second of two interviews here this evening as we get uh, the uh, one of the challengers for the 155 strap on the line, Alex Pergande. All right, on the line, we've got our second guest of the evening. It is Alex Pergande, Russian DNA himself, joining us on the line. He gets ready to go for that vacant Valor lightweight strap it's going down in a couple weeks on november the 6th from the world famous cotton eye joe in knoxville tennessee alex how's it going this evening all right how are you guys 
We're doing well, man. We're doing well. Excited to have you on here for the first time. And so uh, as with uh, with all first timers on here, I want to kind of give you a couple minutes to uh, give your backstory for fans that have not gotten to see you compete just yet. Now, you know, you're, you're a young buck, just 19 years old, uh, just uh, started fighting last year. But in my opinion, one of the very, very best prospects, uh, amateur prospects uh, in the country at this point, three and oh, you know, you, you've got three, uh, three wins under your belt all by finish uh as you get ready to take on brandon mcgee here in a couple weeks uh tell us to start like you know just more or less your background you know uh they call you russian dna uh you are uh, training out in nashville uh tennessee at uh, nashville mma talk a little bit about uh you know how you how you got into the sport uh you know just a little bit about your background up to now all right so um well i come from a really long background hey um a fighting of course that is. Um, both of my parents, uh, my dad was born in Ukraine and he lived in Russia for a while. He was an amateur boxer. Um, he had over 300 fights, I think it was. And uh, my mom was born in Siberia, Russia, and she was just an athlete too. She was a sprinter. Um, so now growing up, obviously they were both athletes. So obviously I went down kind of their path-ish. Um, more of my dad's fighting side, I'd say. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much how it all started off. Uh, I started at nine years old. I started competing at nine years old. Um, I got my first boxing match and wrestling match, I think at nine. So, um, yeah, it's just been a long road. So you're one of these guys that, you know, before you made your day, uh, before you made your debut, uh, when you were just turning 18, you're one of these guys that, you know, when the coaches start coming to me and start, uh, you know, talking about some some guys they want to start getting on cars. You're one of these dudes that uh, immediately had uh, had a ringing endorsement from lots of people. They're like, oh, man, this kid, this uh, you're always referred to as the Russian. They're like, oh, this Russian kid, you know, he's he's something else. He's going to be he's only 18, but he's you know, he's been in the gym here for years. You know, we've known him since he was just a small boy. And uh, you know he's going to be something special. Does that put a little bit of extra pressure on you? you just kind of know, and you know this, you know, just knowing that people are so high on you. I mean, I try not to think about much. I just train my regular, you know, regime. Like I don't change anything up just because there's a little hype around my name. I sure. I feel like I haven't been to prove myself yet um, until I, you know I'm pro and make it, you know, to the big shows. Um, I, I mean, up to then, I don't, I don't really feel like I have anything to prove nor, you know, I've proved anything to, you know, the people around of like, you know, my skill, my skill set and all of that. So I don't, I don't usually get it, like, let it get too much in my head, but I mean, probably somewhere in the back of my head, there is that little pressure of, you know, trying to keep up my whatever name or right. something, but I try not to let it, you know. So, you know, you've been uh, on the sideline for, man, nearly a year. By the time this fight comes up here on November the 6th, you'll just be lacking about a month of uh, being uh, out of action for a year. Obviously, the COVID situation put a damper on so many shows uh, over the complete summer. You know, we just had nothing going on. Uh, talk about a, a little bit about the break, you know, have, has this been, uh, uh, something where, you know, you've just been chomping to get in there and get into action, or you've been able to kind of, uh, use it to, to hone your skills even more to where, you know, when you're coming back out, uh, you know, nearly a year later, we see even, um, a lot more noticeable improvements. Yeah. Um, I was supposed to fight for the title on, I think it was March 28th of, mm -hmm. uh, 
yeah, of this year. Or, uh, yeah, but I was, um, then all this COVID stuff happened, and uh, I think I was I was scheduled for another two or three uh, shows, and those got canceled, too. Yeah, um, yeah that, was, that was pretty upsetting. Um, but honestly, I don't feel like it, like, stopped me from training, like, as hard as I usually do. Um, of course, there was, like, more, like, I'd say, like, off time um, from, like, the gym, of course, but I have my own little home gym, and I've been, you know, doing little sparring sessions, little groups of guys from my gym coming in, like, the top the top guys uh, from mm-hmm. our gym, like Ryan Lawrence, he's in the UFC right now. Um, he's been coming in and training at my house, and, um, yeah, we've been having sparring sessions and all that. So I don't I don't feel like I lost a lot of like skill set um being away from the gym. Um but and then obviously I've been keeping up like my um you know, strength and condition, my running, my cardio. I've been swimming um over the summer. So I really think my, my condition was on like top shape and then as soon as I got back to the gym, um honestly it's probably the the strongest I've ever felt. Um like I've, I don't think I've ever felt like as strong as I do now. Um, yeah. Like going up class and everything. Um, I was a 45er my last fight, um, and then I gained. You know, I was walking around 75 by the time I got got back to my gym, and um, I was supposed to fight a 45 uh, for the title, which I backed out on. And um, uh, I honestly, I probably could have made that cut, but I just really didn't didn't think it was worth, you know, sacrificing my body for that. Um, I'll start feeling not too good. Um, like the first like two weeks of my weight cut, and I was like, no, nah, I think it's time to you know pull the trigger and not sacrifice my body. I'm still young, and um, I still have a lot of more fights to do. So I, uh, you know. I just moved up to 55 and I feel, you know, strongest as ever. Well, at 19 years old, you know, you're still, you're still a growing young man. So uh, it's, uh, you know, there is no, uh, no doubt uh, that, you know, you're a huge 45 already. So, you know, not really too surprising uh, to see you moving up here to 155. You're going to be taking on Brandon McGee. Uh, He was three and three coming into this bout. McGee is uh Kind of known as a you know a straight ahead brawler, uh, power puncher, very aggressive. Has been uh, susceptible to the submission though. You know you've won all three of your fights by submission. Uh, talk about how you see this fight going, man. Uh, any any places you need to be wary uh, of him, and uh, just uh, what we can expect. Um, I mean, I've known Brandon McGee uh, since I was I think seventeen. Remember he came to my gym and like sparred. I sparred with him like once. Mm-hmm. Uh, great guy. Great guy, love him. Um, I mean, I'm not. I don't like predicting fights. Um, I just go in there and handle my business. Honestly, um, I see. Like, honestly, I feel like my striking is what people don't really realize I have. Um, obviously, I come from like a boxing background. Um, I was ranked ninth in the country. Um, in 2017, I believe. Um, so obviously I have like a big boxing background and most people kind of look at my records and they're like, Oh, he has three submissions. So he must be like a grappler or whatever. Yeah. I just like grappling. I wrestled my whole life too. Um, it's just something that I'm happy. 
about doing when I fight, but, um, you know, I don't mind striking either, but I feel like, I feel like this should be a really good fight. It should be really exciting. Um, you know, I feel like he's going to come out with, you know, nothing to lose kind of mentality. Um, I think he's fought for the title before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's five, he's you know he's been in there and um, he has six fights. I have three, so he has a little bit more experience on me MMA wise. Um, I feel like I have everything else though, so I think I should be fine, and uh, we'll see where he goes. Yeah, I'm excited for it for sure, man. You guys are both all action fighters. Uh, talk a little bit about your uh, your goals for this thing. Is this uh, you know at 19 years old? Uh, the, the the options are wide open. Is this, are you looking to uh, to make the turn to pro sometime in 2021? Is there something that you're is there, you know a certain number of amateur fights that you're kind of wanting to get under your belt before you turn, or are you just kind of waiting on your coaches to be like, hey, you're ready? Um, honestly, my dad already feels like I'm ready um, to go pro, but he kind of lets me decide on when I want to go and uh, make that make that step. Um, I feel like not really ready to turn pro like at the moment because just because like I haven't fought in a year, almost a year. And, um, I just want to, you know, get, get my feet wet in the, in the cage a little bit more. Um, I'll probably end up doing two to three more fights and, um, probably around 20, maybe, you know, the middle of 20, I'll probably turn pro and, uh, probably make my first uh, debut. Yeah, man. Well, definitely looking forward to you uh, going for that uh, for that 155 strap here in a couple weeks. Uh, before I let you go, I want to let you give some shout outs where they're due. Any uh, friends, family, training partners, sponsors you want to give some shout outs to, I'll let you do that. And then um, I close this out with uh, letting us know where uh, people can follow your social media. All right. Well, um, shout out to my gym, obviously. Um, all the guys on National Movement, my training partners, Charlie. Uh, that's usually my main training partner. And of course, don't want to leave all the other guys behind. So shout out to all of them. Um, shout out to uh, Michael Chandler, who's actually in Abu Dhabi right now. Um, oh, wow. On the other for Khabib. He's been yeah. uh, me up and training with me um, during, like, for these past couple months. Uh, we've been doing one on ones. Uh, so a huge shout out to him uh, for always you know, hitting me up and always trying to teach me new things and making me better. Um, well, uh, shout out to Ruby Sports and Entertainment for um, managing me and uh, making everything easier. And that's about it, I'd say. All right. And where can uh, where can people follow your uh, social media? Uh, my Instagram handle is Russian DNA underscore MMA. Um, if you want to go follow that, I think I have a Facebook. Uh, fan page. It's Alexei Pergandi. It's A L E X E I Pergandi. P E R G A N D E. You guys can go um, take a look at my uh, Facebook page and then, yeah, go give it a like. Go give me a follow if you want. Um, that's pretty much it. Once again, this has been Rising Prospect, Alex Pergande, Russian DNA Pergande, getting ready to go for that Valor lightweight strap here in about two short weeks, taking on Brandon McGee, Valor 75, November 6th from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. You can get your tickets at fighterticks.com. Make sure you select Alex's name from the drop-down menu so he gets credit. And if you can't be there live, then you can watch it live on pay-per-view at the vfcmma.com website. 
Thanks so much for the time, Alex. We're really looking forward to it in a couple weeks, man. Stay safe. Thank you, man. Have a good day. All right, that was Alex Pergande uh, as he gets ready to go for that vacant 155 strap vacated by Dan Bailey. He'll be going pro. Justin, you've seen uh, you've seen his last couple fights uh, with a win over Bradley Brakefield and then a knee bar win over 145 champ Andrew Sturdivant uh, about a year ago. Your thoughts on uh, this kid, this prospect, uh, Alex Pergande? Yeah, he's a stud, man, like you said, and, and he was talking about he's been at this, you know, since he was a little kid, and um, <clears throat> it shows a lot of maturity, you know, that he doesn't want to just dive right into to, to fighting pros right now. I mean, he could. He would he would fall right into the middle of the tier, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I think it's – I think if you're young like that and you can, you can work out some of the kinks as an amateur – I'm sure there's still a few things he hasn't seen yet. Um, and I think McGee's probably going to show him something he's not seen before. Um, but I, hopefully I, I like to see this fight stay, uh, stay on the feet and, and see what he, what he's got standing up. Yeah, no doubt. You know, he's a guy that's uh, got a striking background and has uh, up to this point, uh, you know, really just showed off his uh, grappling acumen. So uh, that says a lot, really. Um, looking forward to that fight. Brandon McGee always brings it. You know, he's, he's never going to be an easy out. So uh, that'll be an exciting one. And that'll bring us to our final segment of the evening. And that is going to be our UFC 254 uh, preview. And uh, let's see here. We've got, I, I believe we're supposed to have, yeah, we're bringing Greg Hopkins on for this one, aren't we? Let's, uh, let's all get old Greg on the line. All right, we've got Greg Hopkins on the line with us to uh, break down this UFC 254. It goes down this weekend. This is the, the fight we've all been waiting for, you know, as we've trudged through fight nights on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, we've finally gotten to, to the big one here. Khabib and Justin Gaethje, and uh, man, it's going to be a good one. It's uh, it's uh, for the uh, 155 Undisputed Championship, of course, the uh, interim uh, title holder, Justin Gaethje at the moment. Uh, Khabib, you know, I guess thought of at this point as probably the top uh, fighter in the world, pound for pound, I guess you would say. And he's pretty heavy favorite, uh, about minus three and a half to one. Gaethje coming back near plus 300 about 250 to 300 in, in between that that area and uh, man, this is one that is just really hard to call guys it's uh you know i i feel like my my brain tells me that you know khabib is going to do what khabib does and we don't see gaethje on his back very often what's going to happen but you look at the stats of this thing it's like both these guys are like really good at what the other is good at defending you know like it's uh, it's really, really hard to tell what will happen. I don't think anybody can really say with a whole lot of sure, uh, surety, but my heart tells me I want Gaethje to win. I don't know if it's just because I, I really just want to see, you know, I like his style of fighting and I really just want to see it happen. But with the odds at plus 275, we'll call it, which is a fair, a fair medium of what I'm seeing, I guess. I got to take a roll of the dice on Justin Gaethje, you guys. I don't know. How about you, Justin? I'm with you. I think, um, you know, stylistically – uh, man, you know, obviously, you know, we know Khabib's going to come in and try to wrestle. That's what, you know, where Gaethje, where Gaethje, uh, I think, does his best work is up very close in the range that Khabib's going to try to get in. So one of the things that Khabib talks about a lot is the chain wrestling, not just shooting one time and backing out. But the more that he that the more that he impli- implements that chain wrestling, the more he's in the, that danger zone that, that Gaethje has right in front of him. Um, with those uppercuts and those knees, and um, I, I think that you know he's going to be in a in a 
in a very dangerous position anytime that he um, is is working to get to the ground. And if he gets there, you know, Gaethje's been working with uh, Usman a lot over the last few months, and Usman's a you know a, a bigger body, you would assume. Um, and and he you know he looks like he's doing well in in the videos that I've seen of them training together. Uh, getting up off his back and and in the scrambles and stuff and um, I think it's it's a dangerous fight for Khabib. You know he's got a lot. There's a lot of of X factors going into it with Khabib's mental state and things that he's gone through recently, and then just Justin's not give a fuck attitude. I mean he's there to run to spoil the party. You know he's he wants to make it a bad day for everybody involved um, and and take that strap and uh, yeah plus two seventy five is very enticing. Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, the plus 275 is enticing, but until somebody can show me how to stop, you know, Khabib's takedowns and whatnot, right. I still have to – my money's going to roll with Khabib, but, like, one thing that Justin does have that we haven't got to mention yet is those damn calf kicks, man. If he has some killer leg kicks and if he can, like, put it on Khabib, like, early and just keep it, like, heavy on him, I think that he can slow Khabib down and make him not want to shoot. Uh, but in, other than that, man, my money's on Khabib all the way. The just the, I mean, the ground control. If he can get him up against the cage and work, as uh, Gage is just going to be in a, in a night of just uh, uh, maybe possibly what I'm expecting to be as an exciting fight could possibly end up being a really boring short fight. You know, for, I mean, I hope it ain't because my heart's with Gage, but my money's with Khabib. And that's all I'm. I'm going to end with that right there with those. The uh, co-main event on this one is uh, it's an interesting one. I'm kind of torn on this one, too, man. To tell you the truth, it's uh, 185, Jerry Cannonier against Robert Whitaker. You know, Whitaker's a guy that, uh, you know, ruled the division for a moment. Uh, you know, world champion has, has uh, you know, gone, uh, gone toe-to-toe with Yoel Romero and uh, gave a little bit of a run to Adesanya for a little bit. Uh, Cannonier's kind of this, uh, the hot, Johnny come lately to me, you know, he's got, he's got a win over Anderson Silva, right. For what that's worth. Uh, you know, he's, he's really kind of come out of nowhere to tell you the truth as a, a guy that that's just, to me, he's always fought kind of like middle, middle of the card, mid range opponents. And, uh, you know, he's got knockout power for sure. He comes from that Alaska region, which is a bit of a knock to me. Um, but Whitaker, I guess the question to me is, is Whitaker, is Whitaker cashed, you know, as he, uh, is his uh, elite fighting days over? Uh, that's the question. And uh, I think that, you know, I've probably got to take Whitaker till Cannoneer shows me he can beat a guy on that level. But it's with trepidation, I guess. That's for sure. I don't know how, but, you know, you know, Adesanya sold on Cannoneer. That's who he's saying he expects to win. So, you know, maybe he's seeing something, uh, you know, that, that I'm not. But uh, that's, that probably is the case, actually, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Justin. I think Adesanya is just trying to hype up his next fight. You know, I think it would be a lot harder to sell the fight with Whitaker um, than it would be to sell a fight with Cannonier being a new a new challenge um, in his eyes, maybe. Um, and I think I think that he honestly sees that Cannonier is an easier fight than than taking out Whitaker again. Uh, I like Bobby Knuckles here in a in a decision. I think that uh, Cannonier is going to be big in there, um, but. Uh, you know, Whitaker, we just saw him come off of a decision win over Darren Till, who's, you know, another hot prospect, I think, coming through the, the division. Um, and 
you know, I, I think that uh, Whitaker's still there. I think he just he had a little bump in the road with Adesanya and, and didn't put on a uh, good performance at all. Um, but I think uh, Bobby Knuckles has got it. I'm kind of surprised about the odds being Cannoneer the favorite. Um, I, that it doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially a coin toss at this point. Cannoneer is an oh-so-slight favorite, but it's negligible. Uh, right, right. But, I mean, I, I feel like Whitaker should be, a, a you know, Whitaker should be minus one forty, one fifty. I, I feel right. like just uh, give him accolades, if anything. Yeah, yeah, and you know he's not. It's not. I would understand it more if he was coming off of that loss to Adesanya, but he's not. He's coming off of a, a, a win over Darren Till and uh, you know Solomon. The uh, total on that one two and a half at about even money, and I would kind of lean over. I think either way. I think if anything, you know. Whitaker probably doesn't get him out of there. I don't think either one of them get him. I, there's, a, I guess, a case for Cannonier knocks him out early. But, uh, Greg, your thoughts on this co-main? I was looking over on Tapology on uh, Cannonier's – how do you pronounce his name? Killer Gorilla. Killer yeah. Gorilla. His his losses are to some uh, top dogs, Dominic Reyes and uh, Blackovich. Yeah, and uh, and been Texas Glover. Like, if you lose to him, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that's like uh, Texas Glover. Uh, Glover Texas Texas Glover. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, I was reading him, but uh, but yeah, he's got. Then he has like you know, cut a belly. He has a, he has a beat a win there in the ultimate uh, ultimate fighter 24 finale. But I mean, I think Jack Hermanson too. He beat Jack Hermanson. That was a big that was a big fight, but. Yet again, Robert Whitaker is a, is, a, is a few more levels up, in my opinion. So I got to go with Robert Whitaker there too. Pretty much on that Comey event, uh, feature bout uh, for this one uh, on pay per view, it is going to be heavyweights, and uh, this is another interesting one, kind of hard to call. Alex Volkov, Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris, two top ten heavyweights. You know, uh, Walt Harris is obviously a handful that first uh, first round. He comes out. He's super athletic, super quick for heavyweight. He's got power. And uh, he'll definitely be live for a knockout, I think, early. But if he doesn't get it, then I think he's going to be in trouble because Volkov's kind of, you know, uh, he's so tall and long. And he, isn't he like fucking 6'10 or some shit? Like, he's, he's really tall and long. And he's got a good jab, and he uses it well. So if he's able to keep Harris off of him and let him kind of blow his load, over that first round, I could see Volkov coming on and maybe getting a stoppage in the second or third. That's my take on it. I'll go to you first, Greg. I I just remember Volkov just teeing off on Derek Lewis. Yeah. The whole damn fight. And then at the very end, you know, Derek Lewis does what Derek Lewis does right there. Um now his last fight, you know, Walt Harris' last fight was out against Alistair Overeem, and it was after the death of his, you know, stepdaughter and everything. And we took all that into account. Do what now? Yeah, he, he came, came out, out late. But uh, Alistair Overeem having too many ways to win there uh, on the ground. I don't think that, Al- uh, that Volkov will have anything uh, for, you know, for Harris if they get it to the ground. Uh, with that being said, I probably gotta, I probably gotta go with Volkov here. And I'm still trying to look. I haven't even looked at the odds yet. What are the odds on that spot right there? He's uh, Volkov's at near 200. Not he's like 190 minus 190 ish with Walt Harris back okay, at about yeah. 150. Yeah, I'd probably go with Volkov on that fight right there. 
Yeah, I think I think obviously Harris is I think Harris is maybe a, a guy that you maybe play on DraftKings in case he does go out there and, and get that first round knockout, he'll get big points for you, but it's kind of a boomer bust thing. Justin. Yeah, I think this is a tough one for Walt Harris. You know, that uh, he was dealt a tough hand coming back off of that um, situation with his daughter. And then, you know, now to be fighting Volkov, even if he does get Volkov on the ground, I think Volkov showed us with Curtis Blades that he can handle um, that that position. You know, Curtis Blades wasn't able to finish him. If you remember, Curtis Blades was begging for a title shot after that, and he was could barely breathe. And um Volkov gave him everything he could handle on the ground it was everything he could do to keep Volkov down there so uh I don't think Walt Harris is going to have that kind of control if they do go to the ground uh but you know I, I think that Walt Harris ultimately you know like you guys talked about it his his best shots early in the fight and just landing something big he's a he's a big power puncher and we've seen Volkov get knocked out like in that Derek Lewis fight um, but I think uh, Walt Harris is going to have to do it quick. It's going to, you know, he almost he almost got over him out of there pretty quick, and it's going to have to be something like that, I think, for him to to win. And uh, that's tough. It's a sh- shitty time in his life, man. Coming off of, you know, you lose your daughter, and then you lose your next two fights, and now you're looking at, I might not have a job anymore. Uh, I wish they would have done oh Walt Harris a little better on this one, but uh, tough tough call. If he gets a win, it'll be massive though. Yeah, I, I don't think he's in trouble of being cut at this point. It's obviously not good to lose several in a row, but you know he's a an action fighter. He's not in boring fights. It certainly, at the very least, will be a good fitness test for these up and coming guys. Um, up next, we have got uh, a head scratcher for this for this pay per view main card. Jacob Malkoon versus Phil Hawes. I don't know much about these guys. Phil Hawes was on Contender Series and won with a knockout um back in september and so he's got that going for him and he's won four in a row um well shit man i i don't i don't know that there's anything that special about him uh he's jacked um that to put him on a pay-per-view main card though and i know even less about jacob malcoon besides the fact that he's four and oh making his ufc debut and he's another uh australian guy i guess he trains with uh uh, with uh, well, the co-main event with, for with Whitaker, so maybe he's got a little in there. But uh, man, I, I you know these guys that fight on the oceanic scene are awfully hard to to gauge because the strength of competition is really hard to gauge. So uh, eh, shit, man, I guess I'll go with the favorite in Phil Halls at minus two fifty, and it's not with any sort of confidence because I just don't know much about these motherfuckers. Justin, yeah, it's a weird time when you see uh guys with records like that on the on the main card of uh one of the biggest events of the year yeah with cowboy uh, on the prelims yeah and you know kudalaba and ankalaya there's a you know struven tuvasa I, mean, I think there's a lot of names that that should have jumped this one but i think they're trying to get some eyes on phil hayes um you know a lot of people are, have been saying that he's um you know uh, a, a huge prospect coming in. He hasn't really been able to show that yet. Um, I think this matchup is, is one that, that he's supposed to be able to, to really show us what he's about here. Um, so I don't know, maybe we see something special out of this one and, and maybe that's why they put it on the, the main card is just to give us something to say ooh and all about. Uh, Greg, you know anything about these dudes? No, I just know that the keyboard warriors say that, uh, Say that Phil Hawes is it? How, is that pronounced Hawes or Hayes? 
I don't. It looks like Hawes to me, but I could be off. I could be off too. Well, I'm just looking at his record, and he's got some uh, exhibits. He's lost to Andrew Sanchez in Ultimate Fighter 23. Uh, he's got a loss in in the World Series of Fighting, and he's got a loss on the Kinder Series, and he's got a he's got a win on Bellator. He's got a few wins in Braves, uh, you know, in the Braves series, but those are against some low level guys. Um, with that being said, his opponent here. Uh, Jacob Malcolm, his all of his opponents are kind of lower level, and um, I don't know with that one. I'll, I'll have to go with Phil because it looks like they're trying to push him up, like trying to give him some give me fights here. What's the odds on that fight? He's about minus two sixty medium around there, you know, as high as uh, two seventy eight, two eighty, and as low as two fifty. You see, I, I'm I'm curious about this one now because I mean, like his 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 opponent's record isn't too stellar. I mean, he's been fighting guys thirteen and ten, eleven and seven. You know, that's not you know six and three. Those aren't. And that's also on, they're on these they're on these like New Zealand and Australia cards that sometimes those people that come out of there aren't very good. Like, uh, mm-hmm. uh the, the there was a guy that was undefeated. He's like a uh, Mokhtarian or something like that was his last name, and he was like had a real big record. It's like twelve and 0, 14 and 0, some bullshit. But he fucking sucked. <laughs> and, like I've seen it. There's a girl that comes from over there too. There's a female fighter from over there that's like that. Uh, the, these are some of the, like considered some of the worst fighters in the UFC. Uh, or, yeah, they suck. Yeah, fuck them. All yeah, right, they, they do fucking suck. Goddamn, they fucking. Suck. I'm looking at all their records. It's awful. <laughs> All right, up next, uh, it gets a little better, but not that much better. Lauren Murphy, minus uh, 240-ish, give or take, around the industry, uh, is uh, taking on a late replacement. This is supposed to be Cynthia Calvillo, which would have been a nice fight, you know, a good pay-per-view-worthy fight, but now it's going to be late replacement. Lilia Shakarova, who comes back about plus 190. Um, She is the first female fighter from Uzbekistan, I can tell you that. But, uh, man, I think that she typically uh, maybe fights a little bit lower than 125. Uh, she's 8-1 coming into this fight and um, has – I believe she's, she's just a smaller smaller girl than Lauren Murphy, who's, who's decent size. Um, Murphy's, you know, been in there with some really tough competition, kind of on a roll right now. Um, so I've, I've got go uh, to go with Lauren Murphy here. And uh, even though she is the favorite, I'd, I'd probably use her in parlay pieces. Uh, but very uh, scared, as always, uh, with these unknowns. Uh, Justin? Yeah, not a, not a ton to talk about. Lauren Murphy, just, you know, somebody who's been around doing it for a long time, coming off of a pretty solid win, um, I guess. Um, yeah, just looking at the, I don't really know anything about this other girl. Uh, it's just something I would probably stay away from. Greg, any thoughts? You like some Lauren Murphy? Greg. So sorry, y'all muted me again. I apologize. Uh, sorry. Uh, let's see here. My bad. It's a, let's see here. So I'm looking at, and now, now go ahead and laugh at me, Justin. Uh, Lily, Lilia Shakirova? Shakirova? Bro, I, I, I have like no idea. Shakirova. Shakirova. Uh, I'm looking at her opponent records, and I mean, even at even on her eighth fight, she was fighting somebody that was one and one, you know, and she beat that girl in the second round. All of her losses, or, I'm sorry, all of her wins are usually coming by unanimous decision. So, it it, it I look for Lauren Murphy to probably put it on this little girl, 
throughout the whole fight. Uh, eight and one record, though. She has she has no wins by she has one win by submission, and that's uh, I mean, where is that? Where is that at? I don't I don't even see it. When was I chose that was her second fight against a girl that's one and four. So yeah. I don't think she's going to have anything on the ground for Lauren Murphy. So I think that Lauren Murphy just takes her to the ground and just wears her out the whole fight. I don't think she finishes her. Uh, she might she might get her inside the distance. I doubt it. But I would – yeah, I'm Lauren Murphy all day there. All right. And then opening up the uh, opening up the pay-per-view card is the fight that we've been teased with for so long, the rematch. Magomed Ankalaev and uh, Jan – Kutalaba, who uh, they fought once, you know, and there were shenanigans uh, where Kutalaba was acting like he was hurt, but he's playing possum, and the referee fell for it, I guess, and uh, called off the fight, but he was okay, but he was still kind of getting lit the fuck up. So, uh, like, I man, I, I'm I'm on Ankaliyev here. I I, a, I I like Kutalaba. He's the character. I, I love to watch him fight. He's always entertaining. It's certainly one of those things where. I stop what I'm doing and see what he's going to, you know, what shenanigans are going to happen. But uh, I have nothing to go on from the first, but the first fight and uncle, I've seemed to be just kind of touching him up, you know, and uh, you know, I've got to uh, say that Ankle Live is another pretty good little parlay piece. I feel that's confident about it. He's about minus 320 around the, the biz, and uh, Kudalaba coming back about plus 250. Uh, well, you know, hey, Kudalaba's got that puncher's chance. He's, you know, he, he throws he throws them bombs. Uh, so, I mean, these are big boys. If he lands, he could, he, you know, you may like that plus 250 with the chance of the knockout. Uh, Greg. I, um, we don't have to go into too much detail on this one, but I'm I'm trying to look up the odds real quick to see if they have the under and over up there, or if you have that on you. Oh, uh, yeah, right I got here. it. Under and over. One and a half. Under one. one it's and pretty much rounds. They don't have a – yeah. It doesn't have a disc the, the, under the – within a – I would I would probably – distance is plus 240. Plus 240? What, to, to not go the distance? To go the distance. Not go okay, the distance. Minus, minus what? Three twenty. Minus three twenty. I actually could get behind fight goes the distance because I mean, it. I could see. I could see Ankaliyev not necessarily finishing him and getting that kind of odds on it. Uh, you know, that's not that bad. Plus two forty. Mm. I I was going the opposite direction and saying that it that it probably goes under one and a half rounds just because of the way these guys you know. Regardless if Cotabella was hurt or not in that last fight, which he was playing possum, we know it, but uh, he looked like he was out on his feet, you know. And he's he, doing a good job. It's a dangerous game to play out there, especially yeah. in the you know Super Bowl of MMA. It makes and, the question is So yeah, with that being said, I think he's going to come out fire, and I don't think he's going to play any kind of goof games. But you're right, man. He always does come out with come out with some kind of spectacle or. Some kind of shenanigans, as you'd say. So, but I would have to go with the under one and a half on that side at minus one hundred five. Justin, your take? Yeah, I agree. I think um, that you know Kudalaba is probably going to come out pretty crazy, but if Ankalaev can uh, keep his composure and land a couple shots, he's going to put him in a bad spot early again and uh, finally put it into this. I saw a meme the other day that had uh, Ferguson and Khabib up top like facing off and had their names and underneath it, it had these two and, uh, hey, facing they're off close, and it said, they? huh? They're getting close to that. Aren't they? What's that? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what it said. It said, uh, Khabib versus Ferguson light. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, 
finally finally get this in over. Yeah, so I think this has been scheduled three times. It's fallen through three times or something. Uh, probably, I think I guess it's the fifth time overall that they've been booked together. I think it fell out three times. They fought once, and then this will be the second. We'll cover these prelims in uh, just two two groups essentially. Uh, but the televised prelims are, are actually has a little bit of star power here, as we've got Stefan Struve taking on Tai Tuivasa in a battle of. Uh, Man, uh, a battle of the who can who can screw you quickest, man. Uh, it's it's uh, Stefan Struve who's got that terrible terrible chin at this point, but you know has a, a good ground game still against Tai Tuivasa, who throws heavy leather and has no ground game and can be submitted. So I guess it's a question of who's gonna who's gonna screw up first, and it's pretty much a pick 'em. And I would have to go tied to Ivasa because, uh, you know, he's going to be swinging them things. And I don't think it'll take too many of them things to knock old Stefan Struve out. How about you, Justin? Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, if if he gets on top of Struve is, is the only time that he's going to probably be in danger. Struve's not going to be looking to, to hit a double leg on to Ivasa or anything. But, um, you know, if, if Ty drops him and, and tries to jump into his guard, uh, he could be in, in trouble there. But... Uh, coming off of three losses, I think two of us are right to the ship on this one. Greg, you got to lean on these two big boys. Uh, at this point in time in Strave's career, I'm just going to fade him when he fights. Uh, let me look at his record right now. I'll pull it up. It's just because like he's been in the game for a while. Is you know, I mean, he he's just been. I just feel like he's been in there for too long, and like he's, he's just so tall and lanky, and like every if you can put power on him, then he. He folds over like a lawn chair. Yeah. I just got to go. I mean, even though, you know, Ty, his last three or four times he's lost, I still. Even though Ty Tuivasa got submitted by Sergey Spivak last time. Which is soft bad, too. Hmm. No, I'm still with Ty Tuivasa. I'm still on Tuivasa. I can't take it. I'm still with Ty. Yeah, I got to go with Ty here in this. And I don't know what his odds are, but I know that on a. It's a pick On a. it's a pick him. Well, I know that on a draft team, he's only seventy nine hundred. So I mean, there you're look liable to get a you know high scoring high score right there. So yeah, I think no matter what, you need to have a piece of this either way. You know, like if you're you're either going to get next to nothing or you're going to get a, a first round finish probably. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Moving on, we've got the uh, Brazilian cowboy Alex Oliveira, who uh, surprisingly is a Man, and it's closing up, too. Uh, he's taking on Shavkat Rachmanov, who I don't know a whole lot about, but there's some hype behind him. He's undefeated and a uh, very athletic guy out of the M1 global uh, ranks. And uh, Cowboy was, man, he was like minus 155, minus 160, and now it's it's very close to even. He's like minus 120, so there's a lot of steam behind this newcomer. And uh, I don't feel like I can allow myself to get burnt again, on a newcomer versus a veteran like this. So I, even though while the hype is on Rockmanoff, I'm going to go with Cowboy Oliveira here, and hopefully I don't regret it. Also, we have Da Unjung uh, taking on Sma- uh, Smiling Sam Alvey. Uh, Unjung is minus 350, Alvey plus 285. Uh, Liana Jojua takes on Miranda Maverick. Uh, Jojua is a pretty hefty underdog to the debuting uh, Maverick, who's minus 430. Jojua plus 345. Uh, my favorite prelim of the night, Casey Kinney. That's my guy. I like Casey Kinney. I'm a fan. I, I, he's 
Like I ride Casey Kenny and I make money. It feels like uh, he's taking on a tough one though. British prospect Nathaniel Wood, who's also got some steam behind him. Um, you know, uh, he got knocked out by John Dodson, but that was a real big step up. Um, you know, the winner of this fight, I feel like, is going to be in line for a ranking. I surely would imagine Casey Kenny minus one seventy five, Wood plus one fifty five. I like Kenny, but I don't like him getting too much higher than that. And then opening the prelims, Alexander Yakovlev, Joel Alvarez. Joel Alvarez minus 155. Yakovlev plus 135. I'm tempted to go with Yakovlev there as the underdog. And uh, I'll just go to each of you guys for your over. You don't have to go to through each and every fight, but is there anything that stands out on these uh, remaining prelims to you, Justin? Um, I'm looking forward to, to Cowboy Oliveira and, and Rachmanov. You know, like you said, this guy's got a lot of hype coming in, and uh, for the odds to be that close on it, uh, I'm excited to see what he's got. You know, Oliveira is a veteran, though. He's been in there with, um, you know, a lot of the top guys, and uh, he's seen it all. So this is a, a massive uh, first step into the UFC. If, if, if this cat can get by it, it um, you know, it'll, it'll say a lot. Uh, I think the possible fight of the night is, is uh, Casey Kenny and Nathaniel Wood. I think that that's going to be a, uh, a scrap right there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess uh, Marina Maverick is, is the highest, heaviest favorite on that card. And uh, she's probably going to be very destructive against Jojua, who's not very good at all. Greg, anything on these prelims jump out to you? I really, I really uh, like this Kenny Wood fight. That's a fight that to me is the, uh, you know, uh, really, really solid two good prospects. Yeah, that's, that's starting off with that one right there, Casey Kenny. Like you said, I've rode him too, and win or lose, I've bet on him quite a few times. I like him. Uh, Daniel Wood's mean to hit hard though, man. Especially you know, at one forty, they both these guys they usually fight at thirty five or what? Because, yeah, yeah, it's a catchweight. Yeah, this was a catchway. Uh, moving on there, Alex Oliveira, he's always uh, – he's always. I haven't even got to look over this one yet, but with that being said, I'm looking at one of the newcomers, like you said, 12-0. and Ah, oh, man, but Oliveira's let me down a few times. Not, you know, just – I probably won't have no play on that one. If I did, I'd go with Oliveira. Uh, I'm originally with Kenny up there on Casey Kenny, and then uh, the Dong Jung fight, fight with Sam Alvey. I don't see Sam Alvey – being able, I just, I mean, that, you know, Hung, his, 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 uh, I'm sorry, his opponent's records are awful and he's not that really that good of a fighter, but I think he's, he's capable of knocking Sam Alvey out. Uh, Sam Alvey just, I don't, there's no really, I don't see a path to victory for him because he's just, I don't even know why he's still in the UFC, to be honest. Uh, and I'll side with uh, Justin there on Maverick. And then on the very first five of the night, I just got to state one thing. My lean is Alvarez, but I do want to point out that this Russian, uh, Alexander Yokovlev, how do you pronounce it? He's 6'3". Yeah, he's 6'3", fighting 155 right here. I mean, it's not so uncommon anymore to see in the UFC, but just when you do see it, it's uh, it, it you can – and, you know, he had a loss against Roosevelt Roberts, and that right there will probably speak speak volumes, I think, in the uh, in the UFC right there because Roosevelt was he was on a tear for a second, then he got stopped, you know, a few, couple times in his tracks. Yeah. Uh, but this guy Alexander, he's fought he's fought some bigger names. He's fought you know Usman, Zach Cummings. He's fought, but you know, would that be? I mean, that's going to be a good fight if it goes to the ground. I think uh, I'm going to go with the uh, the Thunder of the North, man. Even though he's got 20, 20, 10 losses on his record right here, but I still like 
the first fight of the night, they're going to start off. That, in my opinion, is going to be a really good fight. But if Alvarez can keep on the feet, I think Alvarez got that one. That's going to do it for our UFC 254 preview. This is a early start time, gentlemen. It was a little surprising to see they are starting the prelims at like, I guess it would be like 10 in the morning here on the East Coast. And then the main card will start at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the oh, last wow. few times at Fight Island, haven't they kind of adjusted their start times to more like our schedule and that there it would be like some wonky time, like six in the morning, but maybe they're just doing it in reverse. I guess it sounds like here. This is kind of a weird play because they're talking about this being one of the biggest buys ever for pay-per-view and that's uh, putting it so early in the afternoon. I would think they're maybe losing out on some, right? Yeah. I don't know what the ultimate reasoning was for this, but all the other ones, like you said, have been um, the way they were fighting, you know, basically 6 a.m. or something. Um, College football, maybe? I don't. I don't know, man. I, I, no, I mean that college football is not usually. There's not usually big games running that late, um, as to where you know your normal. Yeah. Khabib Gaethje typically would be going off about midnight, uh, getting started about midnight, twelve fifteen, twelve thirty. Um, by that time, there's not really any any big college games going on, so I don't know. It was. It's a weird. It may be a. It's, maybe a Khabib thing. I don't know. Maybe they're just doing it. For that's Khabib. why it's probably just yeah. Probably just a Khabib prime time thing over there at the time. There's probably their prime time, and they're going to let you know one of their guys shine, you know, right then and there, where everybody will be able to see it. I guess. All right, folks, uh, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Valor Hour. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to this wonderful podcast. And uh, till next week, uh, I want to give a big shout out and a thank you uh, to both Andrew Sturdivant and Alex Bergande for joining us earlier to talk about their fights coming up at Valor 75. Thank you also to Greg Hopkins for sitting in on our UFC talk. And as always, uh, for my co-host, Justin Watson, uh, we will see you next week. Uh, on another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm Tim Loy, signing out. Peace. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Who's the better coach, Javier Mendez or Trevor Whitman? I I think that's a great, great question you bring up. And um, you talk about two of the top coaches in the game. Those are it, man. And and that's a that's a great question that that you pose. And obviously, we're gonna have a opportunity to have a hot take opinion about it following two of their most prized fighters going up against each other with Gaethje and their Magomedov. To be honest with you. Without having spent, you know, years or months training with either guy, it's hard for us from the outside to give you the the best answer. But looking at it, I think the way my head works is I would probably pick Trevor Whitman. And the reason being is that it seems like they're – it's a more individual approach to coaching with Whitman. Like he's just – He's got more eyeballs on you. Obviously, if you're in Magomedov, Javier Mendes has eyeballs on you. But I think what makes Javier so great is his brilliance, but also the infrastructure of the gym probably helps a whole lot too. So between those two, my gut instinct says Trevor just because it seems like he's working with less people. And uh, and it just seems like that's it. But 
I don't know. It's hard to say without having the instruction. Um, but Ben, both these guys have been doing it at the highest level for such a long time. Jason, who are you leaning towards? I, you know, as I thought of this, because this question was posed to me, my, my gut kind of went Trevor Whitman. I, I think it's, it's a coin flip type discussion. I mean, like, I, I feel like if you went out on Saturday afternoon to watch this pay-per-view and you went up to 10 people all watching the fights and you said, who do you, who you believe is the better coach? I, I kind of feel like you would get five answers for Javier Mendez, and I think you would get five answers for Trevor Whitman. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.